as we were together for a couple of days, a couple of things dawned on me, man. I'm just so, I just tell you, I'm just so happy to be part of this Catch the Fire movement that we're a part of. I'll tell you why. One of the, one of the many, many reasons, one of the simple reasons is this. Uh, Steve Long is sort of like the leader of the Canadian, he's the, he's the head of the Canadian uh, region or sphere of Catch the Fire. And uh, so he was with us, he and Sandra were with us. And this guy has been a key leader for the last 25 or more years, leading this global revival movement that, that's touched almost every nation of the world, all right? But yet, he is willing to share his vulnerabilities, his challenges, his weaknesses. And I just love that because uh, it's, it's such an authentic kind of a deal. And so I, there's no way that I can go back to, there's no way that I can go back to, thank you, Nathan. There's no way that I can go back to, you know, doing the, the way that I used to do Christi Christianity and church and church ministry. It's just uh, fantastic. Another thing that I, that I was reflecting on actually goes back to a little bit further back. Uh, when I was first in, in ministry back in my early 20s, when I was part of a group called Operation Mobilization, and I was part of this, I was on this ship, on this Christian ship. At that time, it was a smaller ship. It's, I think, probably 120 people on this ocean-going liner. The fact that I was seasick all the time is a totally different story. But uh, we were together, people, Christians from 30 different nations. And I just love the fact that even though we were so different, we were able to, uh, to get along. In fact, when we would go into ports and we'd have special meetings where dignitaries would come on board and have a, rib a ribbon cutting ceremony, opening up the ship, da da da. And so often we heard the phrase, you guys are a real floating United Nations because people could see that even though we were from, from such diverse places, that there was, a, there was a measure of unity. Nobody was perfect, okay? But, but there was a measure of, uh, of just, just unity being together. And, and so I'm wrecked. I'm wrecked for that kind of Christianity. I'm wrecked for unity in the midst of diversity. You know, that's a, that's a common phrase that, that, that's used in, in, in the world today. Uh, everybody wants to be united. We want to be diverse. But the problem is you can only be as diverse as much as, uh, as much as you agree with me. If you actually disagree with me, we're not that, you know, you're, you're, you're a bad person, all right? Um, so we have to give people the dignity of diversity. We have to give people the dignity of being different, having different ideas, different thoughts, but honoring and respecting people. And that's what I love about what God is offering us as his body that we're so different. You got your Catholics, you got your Protestants, you got your this, you got your Pentecostals, you got your catch the fire. And if we learn to just listen and say, listen, you're different. And I don't necessarily agree with everything because my reading of the scriptures is different, but I'm going to honor you and respect you because you're part of the family of God. You, you love Jesus. If you love Jesus, you're my brother or my sister. All right. What I'm going to be doing today, everybody is so, so different from what we normally do. This is like a business meeting today, okay? 
It's a business meeting, everybody, the business of the church. Uh, we spent the last uh, uh, Sundays, three Sundays, um, talking about what we feel God calling us to do and to emphasize in this year, 2020. So we've done that. We talked about, you know, connections. We talked about, um, we talked about, you know, what did we talk about? What are the three things? Can anybody tell me? Yeah, connection, equipping, and outreach. Yeah, the three emphases. Connection, equipping, outreach. So gathering, training, and sending. Right? That's what a a church that's led by, by by an apostolic gift actually does. So that's where we're going with our church. Um, so for this next year, that's our emphasis. And the verse that really stuck out to me is this one that I mentioned uh, when we were doing our Christmas talk on peace. Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. The context of that, by the way, I won't take time to go there, but the context of, of what James is saying there is that you have two kinds of wisdoms. Wisdom. you got the earthly wisdom, which actually is, uh, if you read it, is actually driven by self-ambition and jealousy, selfish ambition and jealousy. And that kind of ambition reaps discord. It reaps division. It reaps all kinds of negative, evil practices, he says. James says, that is demonic. But then there's the other kind of wisdom, which comes from above, he says. It comes from above. It's, it's submissive. It's peaceful. It's, it's harmonious. It's, it's, it's about the shalom, the shalom of Jesus, where everything is, there's a sense of well-being, a sense of wholeness, etc. And those people who live like that, those people who are peacemakers, who sow seeds of peace, will reap a harvest of goodness. That's, that's what we want to be. We want, a people, we, want to be, we want to be a people who sow uh, peace, the shalom of Jesus. We want, to, we want to be people in a congregation that sows peace, not discord, not dishonor, but honor. Amen? Amen. So that's where we're going, connection, da-da-da. So today, community housekeeping matters. That's what I'm talking about today. Community housekeeping matters. And again, it's a business meeting. Okay, so I'm going to talk, first of all, about very briefly about 2019 and our finances for 2019, this past year. And then I'm going to talk about a few more things, and then I'll talk about tithing, and then we'll have a question and answer session. You guys ready for a, a business meeting? Before we do anything, I just want to pray for Paul again. Uh, you, you've probably been paid, prayed for already. Uh, uh, Paul isn't very well. Paul and his family are friends of ours. Do you mind if we pray for you, Paul? I should have asked beforehand. Uh, are you okay to stand? We'll just gather, those of us who believe in the supernatural power of prayer and God, God's ability to heal, if we just gather around Paul right now, and we're just going to ask Jesus to come and to bring the healing virtue of Jesus. Lord, we just take authority over every single demonic spirit, every lie that's attacking his body, every generational curse that's come down to generational lines. We sever it now in the name of Jesus. We take the authority Jesus has given to us and we release healing. We speak healing into his body, into his digestive system. Every spirit of Crohn's, every afflicting spirit goes now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we release the peace 
peace, the shalom of Jesus, right into his body, the shalom of Jesus. Kingdom of God, come. Will of our wonderful Heavenly Father be manifested in Paul's body. Lord, what the enemy has meant for harm, we just declare that it's going to be for his good. You, Lord, you'll give him a glorious testimony of your powerful healing presence in his life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, everybody. I just felt I wanted to get it off my chest. All right, so for 2019, you guys have been significantly, seriously generous. You've given, uh, by way of uh, donations over the course of the year, $370,000, everybody. We've also spent $371,000, everybody. <laughs> we spent it all and then some. The reason why we've exceeded or our expenses because we actually gave a significant gift, as most of you know, to Cash to Fire Quebec for them to buy their building. We gave them 50 grand. And so we end up with a, with a negligible, that means nothing really, it's in red, but it means nothing. We have, uh, we have total assets. We don't have any property, for those who are accounting-ish people. We don't have any property right now, so all of our assets are actually cash and short-term investments, 270 grand. And most of it is getting, some of it is getting 1.5% interest. Our team has to find a better way of, of capitalizing on what God's blessed us with. We have total liabilities of $8,000, which is, again, not nothing because that's only time, a, a timing issue. It's accruing all of our outstanding bills at the end of the year. So that, that's, that'll be cleared shortly. If you want more information about all these things, I don't understand something. Um, every year we we file an annual information return to the to the CRA, the, to the Government of Canada, Revenue Canada Revenue Agency, and so you can f go back and find all of our um, uh, detailed information there. Okay, about our, our board members, about our finances, etc. It's all there. Good. Are you good with that? All right, governance. Here's how we govern ourselves as a church. This is what I want to spend a few minutes on. I want to first of all say that we are an apostolic governance. And what I mean by that is not the same as what I'm talking about, as, uh, you know, gatherings. So that's, not what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the way we govern this church. Some churches um, are, would be sort of congregational. So Baptist kind of churches would be congregation where the congregation gets to decide who leads the church. They get to vote on different things. Uh, that's not the way we, we, we run this particular church or Cash of Fire churches. We are, we're an apostolic church, meaning that there's a leadership, been appointed as apostles, as leaders of that church, and we are the ones who lead the church. Um, so, for example, Acts chapter 15 would be sort of the model that we like to use. If you remember the story, Acts chapter 15, the people who, um, there were some people in the church who came from Judea saying that every Christian has to be circumcised and have to follow the law. Okay? And, of course, Paul, he got angry. 
He got work to Paul and Barnabas. They came from Antioch. They came up to Jerusalem. They had a council together. And everybody who, all the major leaders were there in this council. And they began to share their ideas and their, their, their thoughts about this. And then Peter would get up and tell him his story of how he was, he was in a trance. And God gave him his vision. And then he, lo and behold, he realized that the Holy Spirit fell on people who weren't, who weren't circumcised. So it can't be that the gift of the Spirit is meant for those who are only circumcised, right? So he gives this talk, and then some people sh share a few more ideas. And then James, the half-brother of Jesus, we assume he was this, this James. There are many, many James. But anyway, James stands up, one of the key leaders in the church, and then he makes a pronouncement. What we need to do, guys, is after li listening to everybody, here's what we need to do, right? So, and then he, t he talks about... Um, you know, we have to write a letter to all the Gentiles, let them know here's what, here are the only restrictions we're applying to, to, to Gentiles, right? So the point there is this, that um, that's how we lead. We have leadership, and in this church we have Elsie uh, and me, we are the leaders of this church, and we have a, a core team of leaders, and together we uh, make the decisions of how this church goes. Right? We have a board of directors to whom we report, and I want, I want those board of directors, if they're in the room, to stand. Hugh is still on the board. Hugh is our secretary. Uh, Sybil is on the board. Um, Steve Long is not here, obviously. Lillian Brown is not here. They're part of Keshefire Toronto. Uh, Tom Falca is our treasurer. Tom's not here. Jennifer, come on. Jennifer is on the board. Who am I missing? Oh, and then me, of course, I'm the, I'm El Presidente <laughs> for the board. So we have a board of directors, and that board of directors gives leadership to the, to the overall leadership of the church, the direction that we're going in. And, uh, for example, I'm, I'm at a drop-off hat wanting to buy a building, even though we have no money to buy a building, but then the wiser ones on the board are saying, we're take it easy. You have to have a certain amount of people on the board on the, uh, in the church before we can have enough money to sustain a building. So they're helping me to be you know, wise and practical at the same time. And then we have a core leadership team that includes, uh, again, Elsie and me, David and Joy, Sybil, are you guys in the room? David and Joy, Sybil and Michelle, and Kayanne and Rachel. So the four of us, four couples, we lead. All right, just so you guys know what's going on with this church, okay? You guys okay with that? Money matters. Money matters, because money does matter. So double entendre, everybody relax. Okay, I want to talk briefly about designated funds, because we need to have some clarity on this. Um, we have a building fund, we have a missions fund, we have a benevolence fund, and we have a Father Heart uh, uh, Ian Ross fund. So if you go to our website or go to the app, you, and you, you want to give money on a, on a giving piece, you click down, you see those four options and a fifth option. Um, obviously, the building fund, uh, they're self-explanatory. Uh, you give money because we, are, we, we eventually want to be able to, ha to own a building, to buy a building, at least lease a building, whatever, however God provides. We buy it, we lease it, whatever. But we, we're, we're setting aside money on, on an ongoing basis for... Um, for that building in the future. And that building fund has been growing because people have been giving to it in the past, or people have been giving to it. But then also, 
in the past, when we've had any excess at the end of each year, we would take half of our gross or half of our net profit, and, and the pol board policy is we take half of that and we put it into the building fund. Okay, so that, there's about $224,000 in our building fund at the moment. Okay, so the second thing would be, would be missions. Um, we didn't do any missions last year. Physically, we didn't go on any missions. When Elsa and I went to Quebec, that was on our own, um, our own thing. Uh, so there's not been a catch to fire missions uh, this past year. We've been to India before as part of missions. So people give money to that missions fund, and we either use it for our mission trips, catch to fire mission trips, or we sow, we sow some of that money into other uh, qualified ministries that uh, have the same sort of vision and mandate uh, as we do. So, for example, we, we give money to MPART. Most people know MPART, this amazing church planting ministry in, in North India. We, we give money to them. We give money to Ravi Zacharias ministry and a few other ones. Um, so that's how that money is being used. Benevolence, obviously, the people give money to that fund, and we, give, we distribute money to people as... Uh, we see needs arise. And then fourthly is uh, Father Heart. That's Ian Ross. We want to honor Ian. We, we, uh, I proposed to the board that we want to honor Ian, who's actually on a trip right now uh, doing some ministry in Europe. And we value, first of all, uh, what he carries as a ministry. We value the Father Heart message very, very much. We also want to honor this man who has been uh, part of this, part of Cash of Fire even before the outpouring started, and we, we honor him and we value him. So I asked the board, I asked the board, can we, can we help Ian? Actually, Amanda was one of the um, people to, to create the impetus for this. Can we, help, can we help Ian by having his ministry as an arm of Castrofire Scarborough? So we have a designated fund set aside. Every single dollar that comes into that fund goes to Ian and his ministry, okay? So the last thing would be the general fund. It's not really a fund. It's just the general operations of the church. So that's, that's um, uh, you know, paying the salaries. You guys pay me the big bucks. Um, um, uh, the, the kids' ministry, the operations of the church, okay? So we have a kids' ministry. We have youth outreach. We have all the aspects of, of the church ministry going on because, because money goes into that general fund. Does that make sense? Everybody clear with that? Anybody have any questions about any of this? Feel free to ask. This is a, as I said, this is a different meeting. Right, switching gears. Let me talk about tithing now. Oh, yes, tithing. Tithing. Uh, we as a church, we teach the value or the virtue of, of tithing. Okay? You can go on the internet. And you can find a series of reasons why you shouldn't tithe. Because it's not part of a new, the new covenant, blah, blah, blah. It's all good. At this church, in this movement, we teach the principle of tithing. Not as an Old Testament law that you have to keep, but as a principle that is a good thing to do. It's a wonderful thing to do. Okay? Uh, we teach the principle of tithing, giving one-tenth of your income to the church. And as I said, you can go online and find a lot of arguments for why tithing is not for today. I would, ha I would hazard a guess that many people who argue against the, the idea of tithing 
uh, it may be a bit of a judgment, but here's what I feel. The people who say you shouldn't be tithing today are is motivated by the fact that they don't want to be generous givers anyway. So I don't want to give tithing because tithing is not in the law, therefore I don't, I don't have to give anything. And the reason why I say this because, the, re the reason why I say that is because uh, we know of a church in Houston, Texas, who used to be a church, and they were, they, they, taught the idea of tithing, but then they said, well, maybe tithing isn't for today. So they, they said to the people, tithing is not for today. Would you know that the, the, the giving completely dropped off? And so there's no church in, in existence anymore. Here's the point I'm making today. If, even, even if you don't agree with tithing, you must agree with being generous and super generous. Because here's a simple fact. When the, when, when, uh, when, when the New Testament came around, um, if you look at Acts chapter 2 or Acts chapter 4, when the early church came into existence, shall I read that for you? Maybe I should read this so you see it in the scriptures. I also want to read First uh, Chronicle. First Chronicles as well. The fellowship of the believers. This is the, the summary statement of how the early church existed. Starting at verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they, were, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, so, so it wasn't just giving a tithe. When they saw needs, they actually sold their property. Uh, Barnabas, Joseph of, of Cyprus, he was one of those people who sold everything he had because he saw there were needs in the church and he gave. Here's what Jesus said. If you have a jacket, if you have two jackets, Jesus says, and if you see somebody else that doesn't have a jacket and they want your jacket, you give them your jacket. What percentage is that? That's 50% everybody. Who are the mathematicians in the room? That's 50% of what you have, you give away. All right? This is, this, is the spirit in which we, this is the spirit in which we want to be giving. We teach tithing as a principle, not as an Old Testament law and a requirement. See, here's the thing about the Old Testament. God gave us laws, rules, and regulations which eventuated in behavior. Okay, that's the law, so therefore I behave. When there's no law, what happens is we get to, we get to, we get to live out of our hearts. Right? When there is no law, when there is no behavioral code, we get to live out from our hearts. Is that making sense? We get to live out of our hearts. And if our hearts are filled with the love of God, if our hearts are filled with the spirit of the living Christ, we will be generous like the God we serve. And how much did God give to us? Huh? He gave a tenth percent of Jesus. He gave Jesus big toe. He gave everything 
He gave everything. He gave abundantly beyond what we can even imagine. And New Testament living is from the heart. The Bible says that God has written his code on our hearts, right? The Old Testament was, the code was written on, a piece of, on, on tablets. Now it's written on our hearts. I have been a tither since 1991, since I came back from the mission field. Whether it's down, you know, Brimley Road Alliance Church, where I first, when I first returned to Canada, I lived Brimley and Lawrence. So I went to a, a local church down there for a while. I gave my 10%. And then when I moved to, to Danforth Baptist Church downtown, Danforth and Broadview area, I gave my money there. And then I ended up at the airport church. So for the last 20 something years, I've been every single, as soon as I get a paycheck, 10% of it goes to, why? Because, not because I feel obligated by some rule or regulation. I give my 10% because it's the baseline. I give 10% because I want to say to God loudly and clearly, and I want to say to my own heart, God, you are the one who gives me every single thing that I have. You are the God who is a giver of good gifts. Every single thing I have comes from you. And so my simple act of faith is, is to say, God, I give you 10% because I'm trusting that you can do more with my 90% than I could do with my 100%. I'm relying on your favor. I'm relying on your goodness. I'm relying on your provision in my life. And look, everybody, it's not as though we're rolling in dough. We don't have a big fancy house or we don't drive a Mercedes yet. But here's the deal. We don't have, we don't have no debt. We ain't got no debt. We're debt-free, everybody. Come on. And that is because of the graciousness and the goodness of God in response to our simple act of faith. I also give my tithe to my local congregation simply because I am more or less a mature believer. And I'm a contributing member of my community, my faith community. Right? Because, I, you know, it, I don't have to be an accountant to understand that it takes money to run this show, everybody. It takes money to run this show. It takes money to rent this building. Right? It takes money to pay the salaries of some of your pastors, the people who, who, are in, who have a salary. It takes money to run this thing. It takes money to run, the, to run the kids' ministry. We have to buy curriculum. We don't have to. We want to buy curriculum so we can have our teachers ready and trained and prepared to teach our kids well. It takes money to do outreaches, Christmas things, uh, the different outreaches we do. It takes money, right? So I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a mature enough believer to understand that, that one of the ways I can demonstrate my commitment to this body is by giving a little bit of, a little freck, a little dough, a little something, a little something, something a little some money, okay? I give my tithe to the church because I'm a participating member of this congregation. Amen? As far as I'm concerned, tithing is, uh, as I said before, the 10% is just the baseline. Because we give, by the way, let me tell you about Elsie, okay? Before Elsie and I got married, um, there's a guy who used to do her account, when she was doing, uh, um, when she was getting most of, all of her income from painting, from doing our, our artwork, she had an accountant, uh, happened to be a Jewish guy, 
uh, not a believer in Jesus. Um, and he used to give her a hard time because based on the amount of income she received, she was giving way more than she should. And the guy got angry with her. Right? You're giving away. It's not going to benefit your taxes. Stop giving so much money away, the man said to her. So anyway. I guess I'm, I'm telling you this because we're not just telling you something to do that we're not doing, okay? We give more than 10% of our money away. We give 10% to this church. We give to other projects. We give to other projects within this church and without the church as well. Okay. I came across this wonderful little quote from uh, a man by the name of Justin Martyr. Martyr isn't his last name, right? Martyr is because he actually died for the faith. He died. He was killed because of that. Uh, he was a very wealthy young man when he was growing up. This is the second century, by the way. He was born around uh, 100 A.D., and he died 65 years after or so. He was killed, at, burnt at the stake. Um, uh, so he was from a fairly wealthy family, okay? But then he, he, he began to follow Jesus. And here's a statement he made. We who valued above all things the acquisition of wealth and possessions now bring what we have into a common stock and share with everyone in need. Two things struck me about that. What? What? That guy was struggling with the same issues we struggle today. There's nothing new under the sun. In the same way as how we struggle today, you know, Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You can't follow God or, or follow, you can't follow God and follow Mammon, which is the goddess of, which is the God of, um, of uh, prosperity and a pagan god of prosperity. You can't serve God and serve mammon, the spirit, of, the spirit behind money and, and, and materialism. You can't do the both things. And I'm looking at this and I said, th these guys in the second century, when, when relatively speaking, they didn't have the same sort of material, uh, material access or resources that we do today, they still struggle with the same thing. Isn't that interesting? There's nothing new under the sun, everybody. We always have this ongoing tension between are we going to trust God for our, everything in our life, including our finances and our provision, or are we going to try to make it happen on our own? Justin Martyr was the guy who said, we who valued in the past tense, we who valued above all things the acquisition of wealth. Maybe he wanted an extra goat or a cow or whatever it was. We, we who wanted wealth and possessions now bring what we have into a common stock and share with everyone in need. Wouldn't that be a really cool way for the church of Jesus Christ in this age to live? Not too many uproarious responses, but that's okay. I'll take what I can get. Let's just uh, maybe start with just 10%. Okay, last, last piece of... Let me go to First Chronicles, chapter 29. This is fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me for a couple of reasons. First Chronicles, chapter 29. I know it's a very long passage. I wouldn't read the whole thing. But this is the building of the temple. Uh, David, David... David, the man after God's own heart. God, look at this beautiful place I'm living in. You got not, you're living in a tent. You understand God wasn't living in a tent, but 
but the, 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 the representation of God among the people was the Ark of the Covenant, which was in a tent. You understand that, right? So, so, so David is saying, come on, man, we need to build you, we need to build you something better than a tent that's mobile, that's moving around wherever we travel. We need to give you a beautiful place to live in. Let me build you a temple. God says, listen, David, I like your heart, man. That's why I call you a man after my own heart, because I like your heart, because I like my heart. And uh, so he says, David, because you're a man of war, I'm not going to allow you to be the one to build a temple. But your son, Solomon, will be the one to build a temple. So David says, well, if I can't build it with my own hands, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to train up Solomon. I'm going to help him. I'm going to give him everything he needs in order to build a temple. So if you read the passage, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, it says that, that of his own resources, not only was there a, a line item in the budget of Israel for the building of the temple, that was, so they set aside money as a nation for the building of the temple. But, Paul, but, uh, but David also gave money out of his own resources. He gave a whole bunch of money out of his own resources, money and, and items, like gold and everything else. With all my resources, I provided for the temple of my God. Gold, all the rest of it. Here's what I want to get at. So he, had a, a, he, he set aside money from the national budget. He gave his own money. He asked his leaders to do the same thing, to give out of their own pocket. They did. That's, that's verse 6. Then the leaders of the families, the officers of, tribes, of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds and officials, uh, gave willingly. Verse 7. They gave. Here's what I want to get at. They gave towards the work on the temple of God. They gave, so they have to build a temple, and they said, okay, I'm going to give what I have in order to help the nation build this temple. So they were thinking about the temple. Let's build a temple. And they, and they listed the kinds of things that they gave. They, they 10,000 10, talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, uh, talents of iron, a whole bunch of things, okay? But here's verse 9. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. Verse 7 says they gave to the building of the temple. Verse 9 says they gave wholeheartedly to the Lord. You see the difference? You see the, the, the connection between heaven and earth? There was this earthly thing that they were building, this natural building that they were going to, that they were going to be building, this natural thing they're building. But at the same time, they realized, I'm not just giving to that. I'm also giving it to heaven. I'm giving to God. I'm giving to the Lord. And as an accountant, that always got to me because when I was doing, when I was doing the accounting work for the church, you know, people would give uh, money, but then I was responsible for 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 um, uh, being part of the team, figuring out how do we spend this money? How do we spend it carefully and wise, wisely, right? The point I'm making is that there is always that interconnection between heavens, heavenly stuff, things of the spirit, and things of this earth, right? So when we give, we're giving, yes, we're giving to the rent of this place, we're giving to the kids' ministry, we're giving to outreach, we're giving to the salary of the pastors, we, we're giving physical things to, to the physical 
outworking of the, of the ministry. But at the same time, we're also, we better believe we're giving it to the Lord. And the Lord is the one who sees, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and who, dil who diligently serve him. Right? The people rejoiced at the willing. David's prayer, here's another piece. Uh, just further on in the passage, verse 14. This is David, after everybody had given this amazing, all these amazing gifts. Now, uh, it says in verse 14, But who am I in his prayer? But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. He was recognizing that everything they had, all the wealth, all the incredible resources they had, actually came as a result of God's favor and blessing in their lives. And so he's acknowledging that. And so therefore he was delighted to give back to the work of the Lord. Because they recognized where the money was coming from in the first place. Yeah, God gives me the ability. He gives me, he gives me health. He gives me natural skills so that I can work so I can gain income so that I can serve him and, and his people in it isn't it Lord verse 16 Lord our God all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you all right. So anyway, that's my uh, that's my encouragement to, for all of us to start with generosity. Start with generosity. Be generous. Be generous. Uh, give give your resources as an act of faith. God, I'm trusting you to be the one to provide. Lord, I'm giving this as an act of worship because I love you, and I'm recognizing that everything I have comes from you anyway. So this little, little that I'm giving back is a statement of worship. And give because you're a member of this community. And give, give to this community because you're a member of this community. You're, you're an active part of it. You're an active contributor to this community. Amen? Does anybody have any questions on anything I just said? Otherwise, we'll just close the meeting. We respond by a Q&A. If you do have questions, Raymond. Good question. Uh, what I would say to that is um, you give your 10% to the storehouse. That's the Old Testament language. Give to the storehouse, the place that you're being fed from. So the place that you're part of, the community you're part of, you give to that. If you, that's your tithe. You're returning your tithe. And you give your offerings wherever you like. Other charities, other ministries, other people, you can give directly to people. Those are offerings. Yes, sir. Chris. Um... 
Yeah, let it first come from your heart. <laughs> and then let it come from gross. I give from my gross. Yes. You certainly can. Thank you. Anybody else? If you do have questions and you're, you're uncomfortable asking in a group like this, you can feel free to email me. K-A-J-A-N dot <laughs> Ramesh N at catchthefire.com. Yes, madam. I would say your income, wherever it comes from. Money comes into you, money comes to you from whatever source, then you, you, you give 10% of, of, of what comes. Anne-Marie answered that. She says, yes. If it's money coming in from whatever source it is, you give 10%. That's what we do. That's what Elsie and I do. I think the details you can work out with the Lord, can't you? You can ask God, what do I need to do with this? I'm giving you the principle, right? You can, you can work out the details. Let me share this with you. A, a number of years ago, um, this wonderful preacher came through Catch the Fire back you know, at the airport, and he was there for a while, and he was a wonderful, very articulate speaker, and that, this was his topic. His topic was finances and money and so on. And... Um, and uh, he had great inflection in his voice, and he could pause at the right moment, and he could really draw you in. Um, but he, he said, one of the things he said was that if you don't tithe on every single cent that comes into your account, you are in danger of being cursed. Cause it, and he's refer referencing uh, Old Testament, right? Um, so here's my response to that. I don't believe that for one single moment because when Jesus died on the cross, he took the curse of the law upon his body. So, you, so if, you don't, if you don't want to tithe, you will not be cursed by God, I don't think. You will be cursed, sorry, you will, you will suffer the consequences of, of not being obedient to what the Lord is saying to you. Is that making sense? Um, yeah, so anyway. Any, any, uh, any last questions, comments, thoughts? Yes, sir. Right. 
Are you the YWAM guys? Oh, welcome, welcome, come on, cool. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yes. Brilliant. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. That's superb. Yeah. I, I, uh, along those lines, I do know of somebody who, who believes fer fervently that tithing is, not, is Old Testament, therefore we don't have to do it because we're in New Testament. But here's the thing about this guy. He has given tons and he's actually given, as the, as the Lord spoke to him, I notice uh, for a fact he's given everything he's had he sold his house sold his house and given everything away because the lord has asked him to and so speaking to that point where where he's not giving or he's not not tithing because he wants to be stingy he wants to be obedient to the leading of the holy spirit and so he's ready to say god you own everything anyway therefore whenever you ask me to i give it i give it away and he he gives way more than 10% that's the point I'm trying to make. Don't, don't argue the tithing thing because you want to be less than 10% or not at all. That makes sense. Final thoughts before we wrap this up. Hallelujah. How do you want to end this? You want to pray for the people? This is a Pastor Elsie, everybody. She's an amazing woman of God. Lord, you need a microphone? No. Yeah. yeah. People need to hear your voice. The Lord's um, cheered us on in the area of finances all along because you are a generous people. Yeah. But he wants us to be even more generous, um, not to say, you know, look at us, but the spirit of generosity becomes obvious to those who are searching. And he wants us to be a people that aren't into, you know, promoting a prosperity gospel but we're into promoting the gospel period and uh, father we just thank you that the spirit of gen generosity is on us but you're also growing us um, and if you agree with that um, just before the Lord right now Lord 
I embrace you. You are the spirit of generosity. Lord, open my ears, open my eyes, not just with finances, but with resources, things that I have so much of that I could bless others. And Lord, I, we ask and we cry out together, will you bring us into a new realm where our influence is fantastic, that the GTA would know that you are alive and operating and moving in Scarborough. Lord, let this church be known for mm. revealing your heart Jesus. To, to those who are hungry and thirsty. And because of that, Lord, we give you our finances, we give you our time, our resources, our treasures. And we, we ask you, Lord, that, that you would shine brightly through each and every one of us, even the children. We bless the children to grow up with the spirit of generosity, that they would, uh, not one hoarder would be among us. Mm. That, Lord, there would be such, um, such a devotion Faith. to you Trust in this in area you, that our hearts would be so, so alive to what is in your heart. And Lord, we, we thank you for speaking to us on this. Um, I just feel like Ramesh kept saying this is a business meeting. Well, this is the Father's business. This is where he's wanting to grow us and thrust us forward. We've been asking for souls. And you know what? He says um, uh, resources need to be there to bring in the harvest. And so he's not, he's not dependent on money, but he's saying whatever you have in your heart that needs to move forward, I'm going to bring increase. So you give it to me, and I will be the one to bring increase. And we, we agree together, Lord, for the increase of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, Lord, let your blessing rest on each of us. Every step of obedient, obedience, every step of generosity, Lord, increase, increase your kingdom. That's our expectation. We're going to see your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank See you, you on love. Wednesday at the engine yeah, room. The reason why, just one sec. The reason why we're speaking about this, as I said already, is that we're setting the stage, we're setting the groundwork for what we feel God wants to do with us this coming year in terms of impact, in terms of connectedness with Him, with each other, in terms of, of, of being trained up and being readied for, for what He has for us, right? And for the outreach piece as well. You know, when Isabel came the first, the first Sunday, it blew us away because, because her message was all about the Great Commission. The Great Commission, getting the word out about who Jesus is. There's a world that still needs to hear about who Jesus is. The real Jesus. Amen? So that's where we're going to go after this year big time and in, and in, in ensuing years. God bless you. Have a great week. Those of you who can make it for the YWAM folks on Wednesday night, come on out. Hey. Okay.